0: Welcome to Tales from the Albury, a podcast by the Scranton Public Library. Today we are doing our second book discussion. I am here with Brianna. Hello everybody! And we are going to be discussing So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson. As a disclaimer, this book does contain adult themes and adult subject matter that we won't necessarily be going into during our discussion. I just wanted to put the warning out there just in case you were planning on reading it or had read it um, that it's not suitable for all ages. So the book itself is about um, public shamings. So essentially it is when people in a public forum such as social media or just out in the everyday world, their reputations become hindered due to either something they said or something that happened that involved them and then they go on and kind of face the repercussions of that and how society creates a situation where this is actively happening.
1: Yes, yeah. and it just kind of never goes away, which is yeah. the
0: interesting part.
1: Yeah, like the prevalence of social media means that when something like that happens and you get shamed for something, that shame is carried with you because the internet never forgets.
0: No. <laughs> it's like when you're in high school and they're like, everything that you post on the internet will be there forever. Yeah, And I feel like when you're a teen, you're just like, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then you like get older and your brain develops and you're like, oh no, this is... <laughs> Yes, is actual real life. Um, especially nowadays, it's so mm-hmm. hard to get rid of everything. There's like seventeen steps to deactivate a Facebook page, yep. and making sure everything's on like the tightest privacy settings. And yes. Yes. then peop- some people don't care. And I feel like it's really a lot of internet privacy security discussion that happens during the book too. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, that is very true. Like that idea that you don't realize how public what you're posting is because like you may think oh like i know at one point he talks about how like you could have it set to friends Mm -hmm. but it might not actually just go to your friends like there is a chance no matter how much you try to protect your privacy that anytime you have a presence online that's still a risk
0: yeah and i think we saw that during was it during the election where there was the facebook quiz Mm. that when you clicked on it it took all of your information, you gave it to access to everything. Oh. And that was the whole like one of the scandals.
1: Yeah, that's so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Very unsettling. I know. It's one of those where I have been off Facebook for like, I think almost, it's like three and a half years now. And I don't regret it almost ever. Um, But it is one of those where I'm like, I forget sometimes just how, I don't know, like when, like you said, when we were growing up and like the things you would post and you wouldn't think about it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh no, that is very, uh, (laughs) very public. And people will get to look back on that and see
0: how weird you were uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty similar. I've been off Facebook for a while. I have one for here, obviously, yes. but that's really the only thing I use it for. Yep. Yep. Exactly. But, Same but I know people who that's their main form of communication with people and it's mm-hmm. how they function within society and get news and everything is through more social media, and specifically Facebook. And then I have friends who have... um, I forget what it's called. It's like the time hop. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So everything from like 10 years back, 15 years (laughs) back comes up.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. I think it's specifically pictures, right? It's like always images of things. Uh, Does it do post too? It does post too. (gasps) Oh, that's unsettling. So
0: it's very... It's interesting (laughs) because... Um, back then, in the earlier days of Facebook, it always had like, so-and-so is, and then you would type yeah, in whatever yeah, you were what you doing. Like status. So the statuses that come up now for them are like, watching television.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, yeah no, and it's interesting, because I know at one point, and here's my caveat, his name is... R- John Ronson or right yes, yes. I'm gonna conf- he's Ron Johnson or John Ronson <laughs> and I don't know which but he talks about how um, it's interesting that like the internet has become our new public forum like mm-hmm. when he delves into the history of like public shamings and the way we used to have the stocks and like all the ways that you could shame someone in the town square now our town square metaphorically speaking is like Facebook or whatever social media of choice yeah, yeah.
0: and you can even see that in the old newspapers when we're going through them mm-hmm. researching for local history it will have like a what people are doing section and it's like sally is visiting her grandmother in baltimore and uh, things like that are published in the newspaper or it's like mr bradley is in the hospital see and that's that's again where
1: it reminds me of safety risks like my mom always talks about how people will post when they're on vacation, while they're on vacation, mm-hmm. and she'll never do that because she's afraid. You're like, well, now you're telling people your house is unoccupied. And I'm like, oh my God, can you imagine with the old-timey newspapers? It's like, oh, so-and-so's in Baltimore. Well, it's gonna take them a long time to get back.
0: Yeah. So you can like <laughs> rob their house in that time. That's so freaky. Yeah. So on to the specific concepts in the book. So the very first thing, I believe it's in the second chapter, is the concept of the terror. Mm-hmm and the quote from the book is maybe our secret is actually nothing horrendous maybe nobody would even consider it a big deal if it was exposed but we can't take that risk so we keep it buried maybe it's a work impropriety or maybe it's just a feeling that at any moment we'll blurt out something during an important meeting that'll prove to everyone that we aren't proper professional people or in fact functional human beings
1: Yeah, it's really, I think that was such a potent quote because it it speaks so much to the fear we have that like, I don't know, no matter what, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm a person with anxiety, but I just feel like I'm constantly afraid of something about myself presenting to someone for the first time and then being like, oh yeah, no, no, you, I can't associate with you. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I think it's also ties into like imposter syndrome as well,
1: Mm -hmm. where
0: I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm also a person with anxiety. (laughs) But it's like, always don't think I'm as well-versed in things as I am. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And you're just always afraid that you're going to misstep and completely ruin something. Yes, for sure. You should see the research Alyssa does for these podcasts because she doesn't want to be an imposter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the fear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But just in case something... Happens where I have to send out the sources and mm-hmm. can point to where things come from. Yep. Because I don't want that misstep and have like the credibility just like splashed (laughs) yes
1: exactly that is the terrifying part and it's funny because everyone's sense of what is a big deal is different like Mm -hmm. I know at one point in the book they do have a thing where they also are supposed to share their biggest secret and it's like some people look at each other and they're like that's not a real secret like that doesn't like that's something I do on the Mm day-to-day versus people like other people take that very seriously into heart so we're all different
0: yeah and also in the book there's um the point where it's the woman who is then shown on TMZ, and she suddenly realizes how she, how her profession, um, she is a sex worker, mm-hmm. um, how her profession is viewed from the outside, mm-hmm. and that's deeply shameful and hurtful.
1: Right, because it doesn't match her image of it. Like yeah. she sees herself as a confident person who has great power and does good things, and just the way other people interpret her, like that, shames her in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Yeah,
0: and I think that really has a big. to play in all of it is the outside concept of who you are versus who you think you are yes and there's a quote yeah it's from page 200 on my copy which is the hardcover copy of so you've been publicly shamed that was published by riverhead books in 2015 And then you have the soft cover. Yes, indeed. Um, But it's the quote that said, the way we construct our consciousness is to tell the story of ourselves to ourselves. The story of who we believe we are. I feel that of really public shaming or humiliation is a conflict between the person trying to write about his own narrative and society trying to write a different narrative for the person. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the case throughout the book with every case study that they look at yes it is so interesting how like the way that
1: we see ourselves and the way and that's like being a person who struggled with anxiety it's almost backwards like I feel like I judge myself more than society would judge me sometimes so I'm like imposing this and that's like a cognitive distortion they teach you in like psychology it is (laughs) which is like when you're just assuming the way the public would view you but in these cases we're witnessing people actually coming to to face to face with this idea that the society sees them differently in this bad way which is scary
0: yeah, it's very, <laughs> very scary. And then going back to social media, there is another quote on page 78 that is, with social media, we've created a stage for constant artificial high drama. Oh, God, we have. And then it goes into the idea that social media is kind of a place where it's an echo chamber where everyone, your own opinions are reflected back on you. And it's also a place to kind of keep almost tabs on your friends and family that they're doing the right thing and thinking the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that really gets to the heart of why there are so many issues with the social media. Yes, for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's definitely
1: a problem that we, I don't know. I don't know if it's because it's, sticks there like if you if someone posts something and you comment on it that stays so I don't know if that's part of it that it's why we feel the need to sort of agree with a certain consensus about the way that things should be and then that just creates that like horrible echo chamber and he talks about it in the book too like Ronson (laughs) says that he himself also is part of it like he can't exclude himself he knows that like that gut feeling we get of like when you see someone post something really horrible or really stupid and you just want
0: to comment on it and like call them out and it's just this horrible impulse we have as humans And I think it's part of the reason where like, you constantly feel like you have to present yourself in Mm -hmm. one way. And that societal pressure of making sure that your image is right because you don't want to be the person that it happens to. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think the studies come out about teenagers who have higher rates of depression and anxiety after growing up on social media because of that constant societal pressure yes and now with the rise of tiktok and instagram going to more of a video based system it's also about the way you dress and present yourself yes where i know at least when i was in high school it was much more text-based not Mm -hmm. so many images
1: yes (laughs) yes for sure Even, I still even remember being in high school. Like, sometimes there were, there was one day where I had a really horrible, like, situation with a friend that partially revolved around social media, and it made me so sick to my stomach that I had to, like, go home sick from school. And I feel like I can't imagine now, like, that was back in the days where we barely had social media. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine now what some of these kids are facing. Because,
0: yeah, it doesn't go away, it never turns off, it's always there. Yeah, and then in the beginning of the book, he also goes into is it right to correct people that have done wrong and he talks about it more in the academic sense um there was mm-hmm. jonas learer Ler- yeah who misquoted it was bob dylan so yeah. it was a bunch of them though like they found out yeah. it was a lot of sources he had misquoted Yeah, misquoted and misrepresented in the book and he kind of takes this interesting approach where he looks at the emotional cost of the people who do expose people mm-hmm. in academia for publishing the wrong thing and those who have essentially lost their career because people have published that they have misquoted different things. Yes. And I thought that was interesting.
1: Mhm.
0: It was also his case study was
1: particularly like interesting and like visually compelling because he also talks about how when he tried to apologize for this, they had him give like a, a speech or a presentation um, at, was it a university or somewhere like that? And they had him give this this speech and in the back they had a live Twitter feed on a TV screen behind him just going constantly as he gave his apology for the way that he had misrepresented things in his, in his journalistic work and all of that. And it was interesting to me particularly because it reminded me of the the idea of like public apologies. Mm-hmm. So um, in one of my classes, once we talked a lot about public apologies and the Me Too movement and a lot of like when we call out particularly celebrities for things and they get found out for whatever they've done or said. And then we expect them to apologize publicly. It's like, what does it mean to genuinely apologize mm-hmm. and show that um, you're sorry for what you've done. And his was an interesting case of, um, like Ronson talks about how he started out sincere and it sounded like it was a genuine apology, but then he turned to an analogy about how the FBI also has made mistakes and then told this wild story about an FBI mistake that was really okay in the end and all of this. And you're like, no, deflecting is not a way to apologize for what you've done. And it begs the question of like, is it is there a way for if someone does something wrong, them to just apologize? And we forgive them and we move on and i feel like that's what we're taught as children that is how that works yeah. like when you like push a kid like if i pushed Alyssa out of her chair right now and yeah. sorry and she's like it's okay i forgive you you're just being weird and yeah. then like we forgave each other and it's over and you're not going to shame me
0: publicly on facebook for no. the rest of our
1: lives
0: you know what i mean no, yeah go on the library's facebook brianna the who works in reader service just push me out of the chair Yes. yes. exactly well that's what i it think did. of because i'm yeah. like
1: these people do something stupid and oftentimes he talks about how there are examples of it being serious enough that obviously like it has major repercussions but sometimes when it's something that you it doesn't have an immediate victim like he misquoted all these sources it was really dumb I, I mean, in reality, how do, you can't really trust him very well as a journalist now, but then people were ruining his life and telling him all these horrible things mm-hmm. and attacking him as a person and not letting him live it down, when in reality, who did he physically hurt? Like, he didn't actually victimize any one person in that situation, mm-hmm. so that was interesting
0: in my opinion. Yeah, and I feel like I could sympathize with the person who wrote the article that kind of called him out on out mm-hmm. this because i know i've been sitting up here and we all know that lafayette is my favorite historical yeah. figure of all time <laughs> um so the one day i was reading I i was looking up like lafayette in relation to like slavery and the treatment of african americans in the revolutionary war time and i found this paper from, written by this master student i think from texas i don't remember But I was like, oh, this seems like exactly what I'm looking for. I was like, cool, this is great. And then I get halfway through and then there's this entire paragraph that I've literally never seen anywhere before in my life. Yeah, And I'm like, this doesn't seem right. Hmm. I look at what the source is and I own the book. Yeah. So I go home and I look. Of course you do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? No, know?
0: Yep. Yeah. Um. It was, and I I go to the page that it's this information is supposed to be from, and it's just a picture of an arch.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's not I, right. And
0: I'm like, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, okay, maybe it's a mistype. So I like check like different pages that could be. I think it was supposed to be page like 34 or something. Yeah. So I check like 134 and like 24 and like 35 and all of them, and it wasn't there. And oh, I was just no. like. Uh-oh. I don't know what to do with this. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, that moment of, like, they just sort of felt the need to fill something or mm-hmm. needed to justify their point, so they just sort of, you know.
0: Yeah, and it was up. a blatantly wrong fact that yeah. I've literally never seen. So I yeah. could sympathize with the person who found all these quotes and were like, something seems wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And that's why you should check your sources even if... Yeah you think it's a waste of time. (laughs) Check your
1: sources, yeah. And it's interesting, even, I remember as I was reading this book, it's funny, it gave me this feeling throughout where I was worried for our author because he's Mm -hmm. approaching this really difficult topic of like, maybe we shouldn't be destroying people's lives for these things they do, which sounds normal in theory. It sounds perfectly normal to be like, oh yeah, really, we shouldn't ruin Mm -hmm. lives. But then when you think about it and you look at the exact cases, these people have done wrong things. So like when we're talking about this, we're not saying it's okay to plagiarize. We're trying to, you know what I mean? It's one of those where I think Ronson uses this book to explore the humanity mm-hmm. and the way that our reactions need to be considered better so as we're saying this i'm even getting the fear that i had for him reading it of someone's going to listen to this podcast and think that we are saying it's okay to do any of the (laughs) things that these people have done and it's not about that right like it's not about what they've done it's about our reactions as a society and like on social media Mm -hmm. and how we treat people when they do things wrong and the way that we should treat them as fellow
0: human beings in a way. Yeah. Anyway, sorry that was my like
1: disclaimer in the middle there.
0: No, that's good cuz I had similar feelings <laughs> while reading. I was like, "Oh, should we be doing this like what if it somehow comes back on us and again that goes back to the terror Mm -hmm, and like reputation and so before the end of this part one i did want to get to i know the topic that you're very interested in which is the prison and justice system and shaming yes i was so intrigued by this whole section like i was like oh i can't put it down like it's so cool so
1: it's really interesting because he goes into depth exploring uh, Philip Zimbardo's Stanford Prison Experiment, which is like the most famous one. But then he goes into some other examples of, have you heard of Judge Ted? I had never heard I of Judge Ted. I had never heard of Judge Ted. Um, but apparently there, he explores this Judge Ted who, it reminded me of Judge Judy, because I guess he does it, does he do it for TV? I don't know. No, he didn't do it for TV. Oh, okay, just yeah, I for I feel the heck like of he's it. a
0: senator now. He's oh. in Congress now.
1: Let me get to the Yeah, you find page. it, but he basically does a court where he instead of giving traditional punishments for things like there was a kid a guy who was a drunk driver who killed a girl in a car accident and instead of giving him like a traditional sentence to however many years in prison he gave him um that he would have to walk up and down a road like every, once a week for however many years holding a sign that's like i killed someone drunk driving like he he gave these like very bizarre public shaming forms of punishments And it was really interesting to see how, um, like Ronson went into this thinking people were gonna be like, oh, it's horrible, This public shaming, he makes them do things that make them feel so bad about themselves. But in reality, because it was such a personal form of shaming, like if you were out there holding a sign that said, like I killed someone drunk driving, he said that in reality, he appreciated it. He found it, it actually was a good thing for him because it meant that like people treated him as a human being. Like people came up to him and were like, I'm like I'm so sorry, God bless you. Like people actually were human to him rather than if it was on social media.
0: Ted Poe is the judge's name. And Mike Yubasek is the gentleman with the sign. Uh, yes. And the drunk driving. Yes, so it's interesting how they explain
1: in that section. Like it just blew my mind how, and I think Ronson's too, he says that these people like having a form of public shaming, it was not nearly so bad as if it were on social media, because Mm -hmm. people actually had to like see them and interact with them physically as people. And I think we're far less likely to treat someone with humanity when we're on social media and we see an article about it, you're far more likely to be like, Like, the things that they say that, like, people have told people to kill themselves or that they're garbage. And, like, you wouldn't say that to a person's face. Maybe you would. Depends on who you are. But if you you want to be kind...
0: There's a far less chance if you're looking somebody in the eye and they haven't done something to you personally that you would say anything in the realm of the things that are often said on social media. And as of the time of the writing of the book, um, Judge Ted Poe is a... Representative for Texas 2nd Congressional District.
1: Oh, cool. But yeah, he's just an interesting figure in that sense of like sort of debunking this idea of the way that we punish people and how that treatment affects them. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. And I also thought it was interesting Ronson's criticism of it potentially turning the whole thing into a form of entertainment Mm, mm -hmm. Um, because it just reminded me of the television show Cops. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I remember listening to this podcast, I believe it was called Running From Cops, where um, I forget the gentleman's name that hosts it, um, but he also did Missing Richard Simmons and one on Y2K where he goes and interviews people and he just interviewed a bunch of people that were on Cops and how it affected their lives because that's also... A form of public shaming, yeah. because you see these people getting arrested. I yeah, thought that's like that humiliating. Was yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's what that reminded me of. That criticism that of it. Yeah, that is really funny. Huh.
1: Yeah, it's surprising how that how that one played out. And then even the the Stanford Prison Experiment when they talked about it, I found that part interesting because. I remember learning about that in psychology class in high school and that we kind of treated it as facts like it was still considered real psychology I think at the time which was I mean admittedly almost 10 years ago now but it was one of those where I think we we came to realize like and what Ronson writes about in the book is like that was not effective psychology and not real science and the way that they treated people it was so put On to prove a point about the horribleness <laughs> of humanity and mob mentality and all of
0: that. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's discussed in here. I don't remember. I have listened to like various podcasts and things on it where they talk about how Zimbardo would like hype up the guards yeah. <laughs> and kind of influence how they were acting. So, all of the really awful things. So, you've been publicly shamed. Ronson goes into how it was really only one guy who did it. Yeah. And when they talk to that guy, he's like, I just did what I thought I was supposed to do to do yep. a good job. And yep. I just based it off of every prison movie I ever saw. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's just, it goes to show that it's not in our instincts to treat people horribly like that, especially not mm-hmm. in person. So that's another example of like, does social media desensitize us? Because in that experiment, I don't, I think they showed that it's, you can't explain it away, it's like human beings are inherently evil and we inherently just -hmm. like get this mentality when we have power over people that we want, we want to cause them harm like that. Um,
0: So that's what I found most compelling. Did you have thoughts on James Gilligan? I thought it was fascinating. Because it's very much the aspect of prisons need to be reformed, yes, and people should be treated with respect and dignity, even if they have committed crimes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think it is sad that his experiment never fully got funded and has kind of dwindled to just a couple places in the United States because mm-hmm. I do think, just from this example, that it would help a majority of people, especially for nonviolent offenders.
1: Yes, and that's a lot of, it, it seems very random to talk about criminals specifically when you're talking about public shaming, but it's, it makes sense in that sense of like, mm-hmm. how do we treat people and do we treat them like if they do one thing wrong, they can't be saved from that? and that that makes them somehow inherently tainted and like there's no way to like salvage their humanity when that's not really the case like everyone's a human being there are ways to help people um to recover from things when they've made mistakes
0: yeah and i also think that an interesting point is made in that section where they talk about how a lot of people who act out and are increasingly violent often have a sense of deep shamefulness in like inherent to them because of things that have happened to them yes and i think that's an interesting concept where it's almost lashing out because you're afraid so you're putting on mm-hmm. a different outward appearance so instead of being a person who pretends everything's perfect like for social media that we see a lot on there and pretending that life is great and i'm doing all of these things it's more they're putting on an i'm tough violent mm-hmm. Yes. Exterior. And I think yes. that's an interesting, like how people face their own shame from the inside. Yes,
1: exactly. And you're teasing a little bit of something that's coming in part two.
0: Yes. By saying that. <laughs> so we'll end this episode here and then next week we will have part two of our book discussion um so if you're interested in reading it we do have copies in the library yeah so join us again next week Brianna will be back to discuss more of the concepts discussed in so you've been publicly shamed thank you for listening I hope you are enjoying it or at least finding it interesting yeah if you like (laughs) us (laughs) if you have any common suggestions or anything else Feel free to email me at aloney at albright.org. That is A-L-O-N-E-Y at albright.org. Or feel free to call the library at 570-348-3000. Thank you.